Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Tuesday Night Jaw. It's a TNJ Q&A edition. TNJ Q&A. TNJ Q&A. I'm just a man sat in his bedroom. I should I should probably stop doing stuff like that. Anyway, before I get to your questions that you emailed me to me today, uh, let's do some plugs. First of all, Saturday, September the 9th at noon, the day before the sold out progress show at Alexandra Palace. I'm doing a live Tuesday night jaw with some guests. First guest has been announced. That's my business partner, Glenn Joseph, him who screams. Um, there's going to be more people, probably Scroobius Bip. Um, so do come along to that. If you want to come to that, uh, tickets are available. Kingsplace.co.uk slash TNJ live. Okay, once again, Kingsplace.co.uk slash TNJ live. <coughs> Excuse me. I have a cough. I apologize. But yeah, kingsplace.co.uk slash TNJ live. Come along. We're going to decide the ultimate dream card using me and a panel of experts and you guys. And there'll be puns and messing around and stuff like that. A lot of people are asking me today, when does it finish? It starts at 12 o'clock. It'll be finished by about half past one because we've only got a 90 minute slot. I know what you're thinking. I've listened to a Tuesday night jaw roundtable before. They're normally 17 hours. If that's the case, we'll just have to all go to a pub and finish it there. Um, but yeah, it should be about an hour and a half. You should be all out of there by about half past one. Um, so come to it. It'll be a laugh. And it's the day before Alexandra Palace. So, you know, there is that. Speaking of progress, there's only two shows you can currently buy tickets for. This Saturday at the Elmcore Centre in Queens, New York. Um, uh, we've done well over a thousand tickets for our first ever show in New York City, which is insane for a British independent wrestling company. Absolutely insane. Um, <clears throat> so you can buy tickets for that via progresswrestling.com you can also buy tickets uh, via progresswrestling.com for our show in Sheffield on December the 10th um, we'd already sold 700 tickets and the venue told us they could fit another 200 seats in and we've got about 50 of them left so it's going to be our biggest chapter show outside of London by quite some way um, a lot of people wanted us to come back to Sheffield we are so get in before those last seats go December the 10th progresswrestling.com for that other plugs Obviously, this podcast is part of the Distraction Pieces Network, and we love everything on the Distraction Pieces Network, be it Scroobius Pip's wonderful Distraction Pieces podcast, which first put me in touch with him when I was a guest on it. That's brilliant guest every single week. Every week, I look at it and go, oh, Pip, 
Your guests, they're wicked. Um, the Hardcore Listing uh, podcast, which I would love to go on myself at some point. Uh, Say Why to Drugs and the Stop and Search podcast as well. So make sure you check all of them out and support the network because it's all gravy. Um, oh, finally, merch. So on my Twitter feed, you'll find there's a picture of a T-shirt <coughs> that I've had designed, which is, it says, cheer faces, boo heels on it because it's something we talk about on Tuesday Night Joy a lot. Um they're hopefully going to go on pre-sale back end of this week, beginning of next week. I'm just working it all out at the minute. Um, I tried to do a little poll to see if people wanted black or white more. And white won, which surprised me. And then today I tweeted something where I said, are you guys sure? And then black won that one. Um, so I'm probably just going to do both. So, you know, they'll go up on sale, uh, pre-order them, and make me proud, kids. That's basically it. Um, right. <clears throat> It's a Q&A episode this week, partly because I'm super, super busy, because I'm off to America, um, partly because I like doing the Q&As. Um, I gave you an email address to email, so I've got them all in front of me. Um, I've got 63 emails. Now, I've not read any of them yet. I'm going to do them as I go through, because then I'm giving you impulsive answers. But also, I might gloss over a few questions if I've been asked them countless times before, because there's some things, especially with my involvement with progress, I get asked a lot... Um, and also, if any of the questions properly set the piss and you've asked 17 questions in one email, I'm probably going to answer one or two. Um, and if I've already answered them before, I'll kind of point you back to that. So I'm going to in chronological order of when I got sent them today. All right. I apologise as well for the cough. I've got a little bit of a cold. Um, <coughs> so I apologise. It's not quite the length that uh, William Regal had a cough when we did the William Regal Robbie Brookside episode and I had to cut loads of it out mainly because he kept having coughing fits but it is pretty bad and I apologise right shall we get into it let's get into it question one from Tristan French um, hi Jim my question is if you were a wrestler never going to happen mate 40 next year if you were a wrestler and you could feud with anybody on the progress roster who would you choose and why? Um, I'll tell you I wouldn't choose. Um, I wouldn't choose anyone who hits really hard, like Matt Riddle or Volta or Travis Banks or Pete Dunne um, or Trent Seven or Tyler Bate. Or, most people hit really hard, don't they? <sighs> um, I don't know. I've never thought of myself as a wrestler, Tristan, because I've never wanted to be a wrestler, which is bizarre for someone who works in wrestling. I've never wanted to be a wrestler. I've only ever wanted to work behind the scenes in wrestling. It's all I've ever... I wanted to work behind the scenes in wrestling before I was a comedian. <clears throat> this is what I've always wanted to do. So I've never even seen myself as a wrestler. Um, short of creating myself on Fire Pro and No Mercy and WWE 2K games, I, I've never seen it. So I don't know who I'd go up against. I don't fancy my chances of beating anybody on the Progress roster. I suppose the one that would make most business sense is me and me and Jimmy Havoc having a feud, but then I'd get murdered. So, you know, I've got kids, and they'd probably be upset. Next. Uh, Bobby Brewster he says, Hi Jim, um, thanks for the podcast, which brought me back into wrestling in a big way and also has helped me when some days have been hard to get through. So thanks. Oh, bless you. Well, thank you, Bobby. Um, I, I say this a lot. I get a lot of really nice tweets and emails and people coming up to me at shows and, and saying, either Progress or Tuesday Night Jaw has got them into wrestling 
made them find a community of fans, made them make friends, and it's just been a really, really cool and positive thing. And that really makes me happy when I hear stuff like that. You know, I, I want <clears throat> I want this amazing culture and, uh, and community of wrestling fans, and I think we're getting there with it. Independent wrestling at the minute is, is tremendous, and we all love mainstream wrestling as well. So I'm really, really happy that um, that our little daft podcast can get you through a difficult day, Bobby. So um, thank you very much for that. That genuinely is a lovely thing to say, so I appreciate it. Okay, so who do you think has been the breakout star in wrestling for you this year? Hmm. Um, I think, again, biased from my own company, but I think if you look at from the indie level, the breakout star is probably someone like Travis Banks or someone like Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle, of course, was the Wrestling Observer um, Newcomer of the Year in 2016. Um, someone like Keith Lee, Jeff Cobb, who I know have been around for a, maybe a decade, but have been in places, Jeff in, in Hawaii and, and Keith Lee in Texas, <clears throat> have not always had the chance to sort of spread their wings as much as they wanted to, and now they're getting a chance to do it. Um, so I, I'd, I'd choose all of those. Both lads in CCK, um, Chris Brooks and Kid Lycos, I think have all been great breakout talents this year. But then I think if you take it as wrestling as a global thing, I think the biggest breakout talent in wrestling this year is Pete Dunne. Now, Pete Dunne became Progress Champion, I think, last November. Um, but Pete is now, you know, rightly seen. And I've, I've known this for ages. He's one of the best wrestlers in the world. But now you get people, because of the match that him and Tyler had, takeover in Chicago you get people looking at Pete Dunne and saying he's one of the best wrestlers in the world and yet he's still doing indie shows it's, it's he's on the cusp of absolute greatness and it's brilliant that it's gone from I'll be honest at the beginning of 2016 <clears throat> he was only you know he was someone that was on the progress radar but not someone that we had any immediate plans for by the end of 2016 he's our champion um, by the middle of 2017, he's WWE UK champion and champion all over the world in loads of different promotions. So I think, I think Pete, if you're you're taking not just independent wrestling but mainstream wrestling, it's Pete. You know, it's only a matter of time until Pete ends up on either a Monday or a Tuesday on WWE. It's only a matter of time until he ends up doing a WrestleMania, and it's only a matter of time until he wins. A, a, a major not that the WWE UK title isn't major but a major WWE title I think he's he's such a big star um, and it's awesome that <laughs> he's defending that title against Jack Gallagher um, in New York for us at the weekend it's a cheap plug but I'm just super excited to see that match because it's a match that's got history um, and I'd love it if Jack won it so <laughs> right, here we go thanks Bobby <clears throat> next um, Stephen Louch, evening Jim. What matches have made you forget you are working and get most invested in as a fan in your time ring announcing at Progress? And if you watch my reactions to most matches, there's a really good gif of Travis Banks doing a suicide dive on Keith Lee. Keith Lee catching him in midair, picking him up, um, and giving him a powerbomb on the apron. And you can see me in the background with my mouth wide open. Now, Glenn can act, Glenn is a professional actor. When Glenn used to stand next to me at shows, Glenn would react to everything, partly because he's into it, but partly because he's an actor and he knows how to react. I can't act for shit. I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to acting. So I I get caught up in it all the time. 
you have to understand that I know what's going to happen in the matches. I know who's going to go over, and, and I produce the matches, so I know roughly what's happening in them. But I don't know everything that happens in them. And there's still loads and loads of cool stuff that happens in wrestling matches in progress that just pops me all the time. You know, watch... <clears throat> they should be like, you know, you used to be able to get a camera on um, on one player on Sky Sports when they started in the Premier League uh, coverage. We should just have a camera set to me one day. I mean, I hate looking at my own image, so I would never watch it. But just watching the stuff I do during the show <coughs> would tell you how wrapped up I get in it all the time. Because it's, you know, wrestling is the best. It's awesome. Uh, Marcia Big. Hello, Marcia. Um, says, hi, Jim. Do you ever get a chance to go and watch other UK promotions? Are there any that you haven't seen but would like to? Um, I don't get <clears throat> chance enough because, as most people are aware, I have too many jobs. Um, I am, uh, as well as doing this podcast and promoting progress, I'm a stand-up comedian and a voiceover artist and a writer. And I have two children, so <clears throat> I don't get as much chance as I would like. Um, I have been to see... Uh, I've been seeing an ICW show. I've been to see an Infinite Promotion show in Liverpool. I've been to see a few Southside shows. I've never been to see. I've not been seeing ICW show recently, and I'd love to go and see a, a more recent one. I've not been to one for four or five years, um, often because they run the same day as us. So I'd love to go and see an ICW show and see Mark Dallas and say hi. And you know, they're, they're people we get on well with. So I'd like to go and see an ICW show. I've never been to a Rev Pro show. I particularly really like to go to a big Rev Pro show where there's the mixture of people I know, British people I know, and often Japanese talents. And you know, regular listeners will know I love Japanese wrestling. Um, I'd like to go to an Attack show. Just again, good dudes. I'd like to go to a Fight Club Pro show. Again, good dudes. Um, the problem is, is often these shows are on Fridays and Saturdays when most of my stand-up gigs are. I don't have many Fridays and Saturdays off. I think... This year so far, I've had one Friday off um, and no Saturdays. So I <clears throat> I don't have a lot of time off. So, you know, it's just getting the time to do it. And unfortunately, paying the bills comes first over watching wrestling. Maybe one day wrestling will be my full-time job, Master, and I'll be able to do more. But you know me, I, I always try and put over as many cool promotions as I can when I'm when I'm talking. Like, you know, Chris Brook is on a lot, who runs Future Shock. I never get a chance to go to Future Shock shows. And that's sad for me because Chris is my friend and there's a lot of people on there who are up and coming I'd really like to go and see. So, you know, it's um, it's tricky. But um, rest assured, I, I, if I could go and watch wrestling every single day of the week, I'd find a way to do it. Thanks, Marcia. <clears throat> Xander Somerville says, Hi, Jim. Good name, by the way, Xander. Uh, I live up in Glasgow and have been a massive fan of ICW for about five years. Following ICW opened my eyes to what British wrestling has to offer and hungered for more. Now, equally, as big a fan of progress. I get that a lot, like either one way or the other. People get into progress first, then realise ICW is a thing, or vice versa. I'd love to get a chance to see one of the shows. Are there any plans to wander to the north beyond the wall and put on any shows in Scotland? Well, not really. Um, partly because we already do a lot of shows. A lot of shows. And it's taxing both financially on us and mentally on the three of us putting the shows together because you know how many storylines we have and how we try and weave everything in so that makes it hard um the other reason is icw run shows in scotland and other companies run shows in scotland as well and we don't particularly want to tread on people's toes we're running central birmingham because 
Um, Fight Club running in Wolverhampton, which is a fair few miles away, and Kamikaze are running Birmingham, a family-friendly promotion who run on different days, so we didn't feel that we trod on anyone's toes there. In Manchester, um, Future Shot run on the outskirts. We always confer so dates don't clash and all that sort of stuff. Um, in Sheffield, I know Southside run in Sheffield, but we always make sure, again, dates don't clash. So we, we, we try not to tread on people's toes where we can. Um, and I think <clears throat> running in Scotland would just be... It just seems daft when ICW is so popular up there. <clears throat> I don't know how popular we would be up there. We do get asked a lot, but you know, um, what I would say is, you know, look when our shows are. Take a punt on getting a twenty-pound flight from Scotland to London, and then just come and hang out with us in London. Uh, you know, um, <clears throat> you do say. I'm sure you guys wouldn't have a problem filling a venue. Well, we, to be fair, we've not had a problem filling a venue yet, but there's always a first time, mate, and I always worry about that time happening. Says also, I know you're both very busy men, but it'd be great to hear a Tuesday night jaw with you sitting down with Mark Dallas and hearing what you both have to say about the industry now. That is something. Last time I saw Dallas, I, I said to him, "We need to do this," and he went, "Yeah." And we're both very busy men, and we don't get chance. <clears throat> and obviously, he lives a long way away from me. Um, next time they're touring, um, I'm going to try and and get along to one of the shows and try and chat to him if I can, um, because it, I know that me and Dallas doing a podcast together would be really interesting. It'd be you know, and I I want to. You know, his journey has been a decade into in wrestling. My journey has been five years, and I think between the two of us, we'd we'd put the world to rights quite a lot. But also, I just like chatting to him. You know, I get on very well with Mark, and he's a good dude. So um, yeah, it's 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 planned, Xander. It's planned. It's coming eventually. <clears throat> ah, here we go. Um, Dave O'Neill says, hi, Jim. First off, I'm a long-time listener to the podcast. Yeah, people can be long-time listeners to the podcast now because it's been going over a year, year and a half now, I think. And because I moved home to Ireland from Toronto, Alexandra Palace will be the first show I have tickets for. Awesome. You know you have to come up and high-five me. I also changed flights to get tickets for Tuesday Night Jaw Live on a Saturday. You hero, Dave. You absolute hero. says, so you're looking for questions for a Q&A, and I was trying to think of a question that would provoke a conversation. So without wanting to sound like a dick, here goes. Can you talk about some of the mistakes you, John and Glenn, have made running progress, both behind the scenes and in front of an audience, such as talents who only appeared once without naming names who didn't impress either side of the curtain? I'd be interested if you expanded on that and talked about what those mistakes taught you. Um, you should always learn from mistakes. Everybody learns. Everybody makes mistakes. <clears throat> everybody learns from said mistakes, David. Um, so um, there have been... There, there's a couple of wrestlers that we booked and we'll never book again because their attitudes were terrible. I'm not going to name names because it's not fair on them for the futures of their careers in this country because I'm aware of the weight that our company now holds, but they were disgraceful behind the scenes, so I have no interest in ever booking them again. Um, and it's more than there's more than one person we'll never book again, and that's not a mistake we made. You always just presume that people are going to be all right and go by the credo of don't be a dick even when you know they're behind the scenes but not everybody does some people are just dicks um we've made a couple of booking errors where we've not been massive fans of a storyline and it hasn't been getting over only a couple that haven't got over as we'd liked and we've changed them you won't have noticed that we've changed them because only we know where they were originally going um it i'm i'm always kind of not amused but i'm perplexed when when people I've, I've only read this recently where a couple of people have, have said, oh, they must have changed the booking for that on the fly. Never done that. We've never turned up at a show and said, 
um, oh, we should. I know we'd plan this, but let's do this. Let's change the title today. Let's do this. Never done that. Everything we do is pretty much we we plan six months in advance, and then about three months out from a show, we'll tweak things, and then on a show day, we'll go through the final booking of the show on the day. But the finishes and the, the general goal of the storyline don't tend to change unless we have to react to something viscerally, either really getting over or really not getting over. Um, but that's the thing with us is we don't we're not pig headed about something. We won't just sit there and think. This isn't working, but we're going to make it work. We'll think this isn't working. How do we make it work? If that makes sense. Um, but yeah, every show we're still learning. Every show, like we we're not perfect by any means. I wish we were. Lives would be a lot easier. Um, you know, there's there's little things that I'm sure behind the scenes. I'm sure things like our accountants would say, "Why don't you charge more money for tickets?" Um, because we don't want to. Um, but you know, there's. There's lots of little, tiny little mistakes that we made. The good thing about being three of us is that there's always that sort of balance. So if one of us fucks up, the other two won't give the other the other one grief about it. But <clears throat> we will. There's always a way of dealing with it, and always a way of pointing out things that have gone wrong, if that makes sense, um, and and correcting them because we're supportive. The three of us are genuinely mates. Is one for you? So yeah. Behind the scenes, at our, show in, our last show in Manchester, at the Vote Pies show, um, the three of us all had words in the interval because a few things had gone a bit wrong during the course of that show. A wrestler had got injured and um, and also we'd had problems with the lighting and problems with the sound and stuff like that. And all three of us were all angry about it in different ways. I'm very much the calmest of the three of us, um, probably because I'm the oldest um, and and we all sort of had a rant for it for a bit and then we realised there was nothing we could do to fix the past so let's just fix the future and then we all calmed down and we all had a hug and we got on with it and that's kind of as, as fractious as it gets backstage you know, the, Glenn and John are my mates so I look forward to seeing them and I look forward to you know, we're, we're travelling together for the next couple of weeks and I, I, you know hanging out with them makes me happy and if we do make mistakes we're very good at not no, there's no one in the company that's the person who goes oh I told you that wouldn't work because if it doesn't work, it's all right. It, one of us will say that didn't work, but what can we do to make it work? It's quite good. If it was just one, if we were one man band, that'd be we'd make more mistakes. I feel not that, we, and, and we do make mistakes as, as sometimes the internet likes to point out. Uh, <laughs> I love the internet. Thanks, though, Dave. Uh, Joe Atherton. Hi, Jim. Hope you, the wife, and young baby Claudio are well. Baby Claudio is asleep in the room next door. Um, he said, I went to a show up north at the weekend. It was decent, but wasn't helped by four of the talents having to drop out late in the day, which meant half the announced card had to be changed. Obviously, sometimes things like this happen through nobody's fault, be it travel issues, injury or personal emergencies. That being said, what unforeseen difficulties and obstacles have you, John and Glenn, had to overcome of a similar ilk on a progress show day? The only one that springs to mind that's public knowledge is the ring van breaking down a mile from the electric ballroom. Uh, another of the nightmares you've had to deal with. Um... Uh, the the one that immediately uh, pops into my head is Mark Haskins. Um, Mark <clears throat> Mark obviously uh, was suffering from exhaustion after day one of Super Strong Style last year and had to pull out and we had to rebook the you know quite a bit of the tournament because of it. <clears throat> um, but that was fine and we got through it. Um, also, when Mark got told he he might not ever be able to wrestle again, we had to um, we had that dropped on us. I think that was the morning of the show where he abandoned the title. Um, 
and we had to make the decision to abandon the title rather than just put the title on someone else. And, and I think it was the right decision because Pete Dunne ended up with the title. But um, at the time, that was a like, well, what the fuck do we do? Because, you know, our first priority is Mark's our friend and we didn't want Mark to have to give the title up. But it was proper, like, just panic time. What do we do? It's the morning of a show. I think we worked out what we were going to do. Sat in the diner in Camden, uh, around the corner from um, from the electric ballroom. That's how you know how on the day it was. And we have people being late. Uh, I think Zach Gibson was once delayed for six hours on a train, um, and we just shuffled the card around because often you guys don't know the order that we're doing the matches in, so we can always shuffle cards around and stuff like that. We've had issues where <clears throat> people have all of a sudden not been available. Nathan Cruz is one who, who springs to mind when he had a, a WWE tryout. Um, thought he could make the show then realized he couldn't make the show um and we had to replace him um so there's, there's things like that you know they they suck to deal with but we're very organized like again three of us john in particular being a robot means things like travel and that aren't ever left to chance um <clears throat> there's always the um the whole panic of um I think last time Adam Cole performed for us, he was meant to arrive the day before a show so he could get some sleep, and he arrived about three hours before the show because of storms and stuff. So, you know, I'm fingers crossed everything will be fine in New York and Boston. But you know, again, that's it's not just a few people jumping in the car and going down the M6, is it? So, you know, things like that stress me out. But normally we get through it. Thanks, Joe. Matt Crooks. I've got 55 of these left after this, by the way. Matt Crooks. Jim, thanks for the entertainment. A question for you. What would you prefer uh, out of these possible world title matches at this year's WrestleMania? Styles, Nakamura, or Owens, Zayn? Oh, God, that's such a hard question, mate. As many people be aware, I never tire of seeing um, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn wrestling at each other. I think it's always tremendous, but AJ Styles Nakamura, if they, if they got given twenty five minutes, oh my lord, that would be that would be absolutely tremendous, absolutely tremendous if that was uh, available to happen. So I think that's Styles Nakamura. I think, I think. Hopefully, I'll be at WrestleMania, but I, I think Connor Pape says, uh, "Hey Jim, how unreal was it when you started getting contacted by WWE? Right, it, not that unreal, purely because." All of our decent relationship with WWE came about because of William Regal. And William Regal has been my friend, in inverted commas, for three or four years. So once I got over the fact that I'm mates with someone who's one of my heroes, and and then it all, you know, like the, the Cruiserweight Classic thing, I've said this before, Just he just rang me up one day and said, do you want to do a couple of Cruiserweight Classic qualifying matches? And we were like, yeah, that'd be brilliant. It was unreal in a way to start with but I kind of I'd known Regal for such a while that it just was one of those things where I kind of went oh I I think I remember after the Cruiserweight Classic offer was made I I remember ringing John up and saying just want to check you want to do this as much as me right and he was like yeah yeah and I checked with Glenn and he was like yeah yeah Um, and I think it probably took a couple of days for it to sort of really go in Um, he says are you still in awe when they come up to you guys with ideas they don't really come to us with ideas really every now and again we'll sort of we have a again I have a, a chat with with Mr. Regal every now and again and, and that's pretty much it really it's like they're not coming up to us and saying who do you want in the main event at Wrestlemania next year because <laughs> that's how the relationship goes but um, it is nice that you know we get invited to things like the WWE UK shows and stuff like that that's really cool 
So, you know, it does mean I have to wear a suit and, and people do seem to find that weird. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it is unreal, but I think people's understanding of the relationship is, is odd. Um, the relationship is, and I'll lay it out for you, Connor, because you're a good dude. The relationship is this. Um, Regal's me, mate, and WWE kind of like what we do because we do business the right way. And therefore, you know, every now and again, we'll we'll make a cheeky little request and they'll say yes, like like Jack and Dakota in, in New York. So, you know, that's pretty sweet. So, um, oh, and of course, let's not forget, you know, the, the one big thing they did for us when we did our, our debut show in Birmingham in January, and obviously the Blackpool show was on the same time, and, you know, they they could have done nothing, but they lent us Finn Balor and, and the artist formerly known as Tommy End. So that was pretty sweet. So it's all still very bizarre, but people, um, the internet's a fun thing about about what the relationship is. I mean, I know what the relationship is, and you only have to ask me, you just did, and I, I'll tell you. Because I'm not, I'm not particularly good at lying, so <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's a nice sort of relationship. But they never come to us for for ideas. I mean, I mean that'd be that'd be really bizarre, wouldn't it? Let's be honest. Vince rang me up and says, "What do you think of this?" Oh, my mind would be blown. Thanks, Connor. Michael Hansen says, "Hey Jim, I have a few questions. Um, if Progress could do a joint pay per view like War of the Worlds for uh, Ring of Honor New Japan, who would you choose out of these companies?" Um, PWG, Ring of Honor, Noah, Dragon Gate. Uh, I probably PWG because I love Excalibur and I love everything PWG stands for, and they're the main reason we exist as a company. PWG and Progress doing a, a a joint show would be the absolute. It'd just be brilliant. I I've, I ran out of words then, but it'd be great. Um, which current member of the Projo uh, do you think is most likely to become a Progress champion first? Um, well, um, first off, um, the Projo is no more. We still have a very good relationship with with Daryl Allen, um, who runs uh, the training school formerly known as the Projo. It's now called the uh, Knuckle Locks Gym. Um, but uh, we've not financially had any influence over the Projo for about a year or so. Um, and what we're finding is... Um, we're both looking at people coming through uh, Daryl's school. We're also looking at people coming through other schools like Fight Club Pro or, or the Fighting Spirit Gym that Zach Gibson and James Drake uh, run. So, uh, and, and we've had trainees do ring crew on our shows from Attack and Future Shark and places like that. So I kind of want to look at everyone who's a trainee in the country rather than just people who are training in that one gym in Brixton. Um, that said, I think if anyone saw um, guys like... Uh, uh, Dylan uh, D'Angelo and oh I'm so bad with names Alex Cupid Dylan D'Angelo and Alex Cupid um, wrestling James Drake and uh, Zach Gibson at our last London show I thought they were both great loads of charisma loads of talent um, I think someone who's come through the Pro Joe is clearly very very good is, is Jack Sexsmith who you know has really caught on in a really good way and his match with Pete Dunne is, is brilliant so it just depends on what if it's people that are training now or people have already broke through because obviously someone from the Pro Joe Pastor William Eva has been um, progress champion so you know depends on why you view it um, other than Scroobius Pip who is obviously too scared who would you most like to see face Roy Johnson in a Wasteman challenge um, oh M&M. That'd be a laugh, wouldn't it? Fucking imagine the pop. Um, is there any chance we'll see the return of Michael Dante anytime soon? We'd love to see him face Volta for the Atlas title. Um, I don't know. I know that um, Dante got injured quite badly um, uh, la- uh, earlier in the year. 
Uh, I don't know his current status is, but we're still very good friends. I, I, I like uh, Michael very much. Um, I, I'd certainly love to see him about, but again, it just depends on an opportunity opening up and all that sort of jazz. Uh, and says, finally, have you ever considered doing a show in Blackpool or is it too close to Manchester? If we could use the Empress Ballroom, then yes. But don't forget as well, other companies do run in Blackpool. And again, it goes on the treading on people's toes kind of thing. Um, oh, and also, uh, this, I need to point this out. Mike uh, is the person who bought me a St. Pauli, Pauli shirt. <coughs> Which was um, tremendously generous of you, Mike. And uh, I still really appreciate it. So thanks, dude. Right, Adam Lewis. My question is more on the business side of things. How did Progress Wrestling go about booking larger venues such as Brixton Academy and Alexandra Palace for shows or even your regular venues such as the Electric Ballroom or the Ritz? Are there any agreements that have to be made in advance? I crowd control facilities such as food, drink, showers and no insane flips off balconies. hope you don't mind me answering this question as I'm actually looking to get into event management in the future after I complete my degree. Um, how you book a venue, mate, is you you ask if you can book a venue. With That's pretty much it. And you go and look at it and make sure you can fit a ring in it. When we first went to the Ritz, um, the manager of the Ritz said, "You don't." we were looking around the balcony, and he said, you don't have people jumping off balconies, do you? And we went, <laughs> no. And he said, because I've seen a video of you guys, and it involved a bloke jumping off a balcony, which was Will Ospreay. And we kind of laughed it off and went, it won't happen again. Um, because we are, honestly, once that happened in the ballroom, we didn't know that was happening in the ballroom, and the venue did tell us that's not allowed to happen ever again. Um, we like to personally make sure there's showers and stuff for the wrestlers backstage. When we ran at the garage, we had one not particularly good shower, only two little tiny dressing rooms. The ballroom and the Ritz, the Academy and Sheffield, the Academy in Birmingham, have got really good dressing room facilities. And we do little stuff like, like we do stuff like make sure that we've got paramedics on site and stuff like that because it's what we like. You know, we like to make sure everyone's safe and happy. Um, <clears throat> the in term, but in terms of of getting a venue, it's, that's pretty much it. You just say, "Aya, can we have a venue?" And oh, the other thing is, and this is something that that not everyone will be aware of in wrestling, is you have to have a certain license to put uh, wrestling on. Because even though wrestling, strictly speaking, is on isn't on the level, it is still classed as a combat sport. So you have to get the same license that you would have to put boxing or MMA on in a venue. Um, and not every venue always remembers to do this. All the venues we run in already have those licenses. Um, if they didn't, we'd make sure they did, but they already do. So um, that's the other thing you need to consider. Thanks, Adam. Good question. Garant <clears throat> uh, Bowen um, says, Hi, Jim. May I start this email by offering my gratitude to you, John and Glenn, for all the hard work you've done over the years? Thanks, mate. It is over the years now. Five and a bit years. You three have reinvigorated my admiration for professional wrestling akin to the time when I first started watching decades ago. I have gone to the lengths and breadths of not only this country but the globe because of this re- refound love which young me which never, which never, would never have dreamt of doing. Thanks, mate. It's nice that we could have uh, triggered that within you. My question is, with the recent Twitter storm involving the criticism of Leo Rush no-selling a big table spot off a ladder, I did see that, what do you think is worse in a match, a no-sell or over-the-top selling? The main example of this is Shawn Michaels overselling all of Hulk Hogan's moves at SummerSlam. Uh, now, here's the thing, mate. So I've seen that spot. Now, whilst I don't agree with no selling a ladder spot, the, the criticism of, of Leo, who's a good lad, the criticism of Leo no selling that for most people is, well, how's he going to sell a clothesline now? What people don't realise is, is that, and, and I've not seen this match, so I've been told it, 
is the whole gimmick that him and Joey Janela were doing in that match was all to do with the fact that he can't be hurt. It's almost like it's it's a deliberately over the top gimmick, akin to something like Hustle in Japan um, about a decade ago. So from that point of view, I kind of get it. If you just watch that in isolation, you'd be, the first thing you'd say is, "Well, he's never going to sell a clothesline again if he's not going to sell a power bo- a power driver through a table off a ladder." Um, but then I was thinking about this. How many times have you watched a Legion of Doom match and watched Hawk no sell a pile driver? I mean, these are like going back years and years and years. So, you know, no selling's always been there. The Undertaker used to no sell. And the whole point was he was a supernatural character. So, you know, I think <clears throat> I'm not a fan of no selling. I'm not a fan of people kicking out. One, I'm not a fan of 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 people popping straight back up after moves because it's, you know, I, I I get where its place is, but it's not something I'm a massive fan of. I'm not going to get all Jim Cornette about it and, and start saying it kills the business. Because it doesn't. Because as long as people want to pay to see something and enjoy something, then the business is alive and fine. Overselling. You see, the danger of overselling is this. If you imagine you're putting wrestling on and there's an audience, and in that audience are parents who've been dragged along by their children. And... They see someone who is hokey as anything. The reason I didn't like World of Sport initially when I first watched it, it was because of people like Big Daddy, Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks. And often the people they were wrestling were overselling and it it looked hokey. It was only when I saw people like Johnny St. Marty Jones, Rollable Rocco that I started really getting into it because everything they did looked like a fight. And I think the minute something doesn't look like a fight and looks choreographed is the point where I become detached from it. So it's a difficult it's difficult to, to kind of weigh it up. I mean that the Shawn Michaels Hulk Hogan match is is funny to watch. You know, it's it's a bit it's it's a bit of a dodgy move by Shawn, but it is in hindsight funny to watch. And Shawn is one of the best sellers of all time. So yeah, it's it's, it's six one half a dozen the other mate, to be honest. I'm not as adverse to the Leo Rush um thing as I was when I initially saw it. When I initially saw it I was, what the fuck? And then I was like Oh no, when people told me about it, I was like, oh, oh no, okay, I get it now. <coughs> right. <clears throat> okay, Josh Brown. Hi Jim, thanks for all the great podcasts. Thank you mate for listening. A couple of wrestling questions and a couple of stand-up related ones. If you could book an ICW Progress Invasion angle now, would you do it? Nope. Uh, uh, I don't believe really in doing invasion angles from other companies because one of the companies always has to look worse off so you know icw are our friends nah and the same reason we won't do a joint show with them um uh any chance of getting mark dallas on the podcast yep mentioned this before planning it um on comedy just a general what do you think of billy Connolly? caught the bbc special on the portraits commission for his 75th birthday and honestly don't think there will ever be a british stand-up again with such huge crossover appeal billy Connolly, one of the first comedians i remember watching as maybe nine ten years old and hearing swear it was him and dave allen <clears throat> and i just remember thinking that he was such a big personality i remember thinking he's brilliant He's one of the first comedians I've been watching on TV and having proper hysterics in. He's also the first of two comedians I've seen who's got an impersonator. When I was on Open Spot, I think it was maybe only my 10th gig, I did a gig in Oakham in Rutland. <coughs> and one of the other acts was a Billy Connolly impersonator. And then about 10 gigs later, I did a gig with Lee Lard, who's the Peter Kay impersonator. Bearing in mind that joke theft is frowned upon, imagine how it feels to watch someone doing a load of someone else's material. 
yeah, it's galling. Uh, but Billy, Con- Billy Connolly, genius. Up there for me with my biggest heroes, people like Frank Skinner. Um, it says, finally, would love to hear your thoughts on the more controversial comedians working today. For example, Frankie Boyle, Jim Jeffries. Uh, not sure if they're a cup of tea on the whole uh, don't be a dick mantra. Um, both Frankie and Jim are nice people, just for the record. I know Jim slightly better than I know Frankie. Um, and they're very good comedians. Jim Jeffries in particular is a fantastic comedian. Um, I, <clears throat> I think... So I have a lot of my... When I started stand-up, I was a lot ruder. I was a lot swearier. I did a lot more stuff about sex. I did a lot of darker stuff. I did lots of jokes about suicide and stuff. Things I don't touch now. My stand-up now is very positive. I'll take the piss out of people when I'm an MC, but most of my stories are about my wife and my kids um, and just weird scrapes I've got into. And, and, and I'm, I've accidentally become really politically correct. doesn't mean I don't enjoy comedy that can offend. I think everyone needs to know a limit of what people find unacceptable. So for me... I would never do jokes ever, ever about paedophilia, ever, because I have two children. And, like, even thinking about that, something like that makes me angry. So I can't, in good conscience, do jokes about it. It doesn't mean that I want all jokes banned about it, because I'm also quite pro freedom of speech. So it puts me in a very difficult position. In terms of Frankie Boyle and Jim Jeffries, they've both certainly made the odd mistake with some of the stuff that they've talked about. Frankie Boyle in particular with the, the stuff he did. He did the stuff about Rebecca Adlington, didn't he? Which was distasteful. And he knows it, and I believe apologise for it. But you always need comedians like those guys, like Doug Stanhope, who push boundaries and are offensive um, in order to move comedy forwards, if that makes any sense. Anyway, thanks, mate. Uh, who's next? Oh, hang on. Oh, down to the last 50, guys. We're doing good. Down to the last 50. Okay. Uh, Baz Bassett. Um, Hey, Jim. Huge fan and all that jazz. Question completely unrelated to wrestling. Um, Do you have any conspiracy theories that you're pretty sure to be true? Um, I don't. I I don't. (laughs) So I am trying to write something at the minute, weirdly. And this, this almost feels like I've set you up for this, Baz. But I'm trying to write some stuff about conspiracy theorists. Um, and this has led to me listening this week to four separate four-hour podcasts by Alex Jones, the man who presents Infowars. Now, <coughs> if you enjoy his work, then fair play. Um, if you think he's batshit insane, then fair play. Um, uh, I'm listening to it because I had a friend who told me that you know this guy is he, he believes everything that he says, and that is true. Um, but I was more interested at the commercial. I know I plug stuff, but you know he'll he'll say he'll say one thing about how you know the civil wars coming and on the flip side he will say but please please buy vitamins from me which is kind of bizarre so um so yeah so i find it interesting i i find it interesting when conspiracy theorists put their case forward so people like david ike um i i got the chance to uh, to interview david ike when i was a local radio presenter in an interview that never aired and um yeah he's got loads of conspiracy theories that he 100% believes in and he's researched to the hilt his side of the argument but he hasn't done the other bit which is researching the other side of the argument so I can't be convinced um, because I'm very good at trying to weigh up and have both sides of an argument so um, not really mate not really I do believe aliens exist I don't believe they landed in Roswell um, or anyone's ever been kidnapped by them but I do believe they exist because the universe is massive and as an atheist 
you know, I believe the universe is infinite and therefore there's loads of different things. So, you know, um, but, but I'm certainly not a conspiracy theorist. I am fascinated by them, though, Buzz. Uh, Christopher Kyriakides. Kyriakides? Kyriakides. I'm going to go with Kyriakides. Christopher. Hi, Chris. Chris the Greek. Hi, Jim. Hope all is well. Uh, with news that the Projo is now turning into Knuckle Locks. Jim, mentioned that before. What does this mean moving forward for the relationship between the school and progress wrestling? Is it a case that the bigger progress gets, the more unbiased it has to be when it comes to scouting talent? Kind of. Um, but also, we, you know, Daryl does a good job with that school, and we're not really ever there. So, you know, it, it should be his school, really. Um, I, I've been to other schools recently just to watch how they train and do little promo classes and stuff like that. And obviously, our... Our motto when when we started Progress was to always try and use the best talent available to us. And we kind of don't want to be biased. You know, if there's a good wrestler and they're 18, years, 18, 19, 20 years old, then we should use them. It shouldn't matter what school they come from. Um, and we've never done that. We've never been overly biased towards the Projo or anything like that. It's just they're the talent that in the main have been ring crew and in the main have done Endeavour and Freedoms Road and stuff like that. And we're still going to keep our good relationship up. It's just, you know, it's time for, for Daryl and his school to spread their wings and it's time for us to make sure that we're casting our net far and wide, I think. <clears throat> um, second question. If I ever make it as a wrestler of progress, can I borrow Arn Anderson's WCW theme tune? I think you'll probably ask to ask Jimmy Hart that, who probably wrote it. Um, but um, thank you, Chris. <coughs> Excuse me. Daniel Rogers. Hi, Jim. One question that I've got for you is, what is your guilty pleasure in wrestling and why? Um, since Glenn introduced me to it, 1999-2000 WCW. I can't say I think it's great, but I can say that it is enjoyably bad. <laughs> you know me, I don't like being negative about anything in wrestling, but I think we can agree. Once the Monday Night War had been won by WWE, WCW was rotten. Um, and, and that's kind of what amuses me, I think. Um, yeah, that, that's my definitely my guilty pleasure. Sometimes I'll just put on old episodes of Nitro just when I'm just chilling out on the network. Um, so it's pretty much that. Thanks, Daniel. Clint McCormack. Um, hi, Jim. Hope you're well. What is the process of booking international talent such as War Machine? As in, do you three see them and decide you want to book them at some point, then see when their calendars match progress? Or do you decide British Strong Star, for example, need a team to face due to other matches on the card, then see who is best available? Bit of both. It, it depends. Sometimes one of us will say, we desperately need to use this person, and we'll find a way of using them, which is often Super Strong Style, if we're being honest. Sometimes we will think that one of our champions needs an opponent, and we'll do it that way around. Um, but... And sometimes it'll be, this but will get offered people. Sometimes this person is in this country at this point. Do you want to use them? Um, so it's any one of those three things, really. Um, what wrestlers would you say best correlates to each Premier League team? This could be a whole Tuesday night draw. I'm going to leave that one purely because it could be. Uh, you said Leicester, Sami Zayn. I'll take that as a Leicester fan. Thanks, mate. Um, can you say what other venues you've looked into hosting progress in London, Birmingham, Manchester and Sheffield? Um, London, I can tell you that we really desperately... I know people always bring up the Roundhouse in Camden. They don't want us there, guys. Um, but that would be the one place that we have. We've never officially had a look around there, but me and John went to watch Lucha Libre there and really, really wanted to put progress on there. But they have no interest in us whatsoever. Lucha Libre, they liked because they viewed it as a cultural exchange... But us, uh, we're afraid we're dirty independent wrestling and they don't care for that. 
So, mm. uh, what's next? Um, what wrestlers do you think would have been great in big movie roles of the past? Um, oh, well, that's a good one. I think The Miz should just reenact every one of Steven Seagal's movies that he ever made. Just for my amusement. I think he'd do a better job, but also for my amusement. I never tire of seeing The Miz in anything. <clears throat> do you think SummerSlam will go more than four hours? Um, I don't know. I'm going to be at it. So, um, it's indoors though, isn't it? Oh, if it was outdoors, it'd be great if it's indoors. Um, I don't know. I mean, probably. I mean, the whole experience anyway is going to be six, seven hours, isn't it? By the time we sit down, pre-show, all that jazz. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it a lot. So, um, really, really looking forward to it. And I get to watch it with my two best mates, which is pretty sweet. <coughs> okay. Um, Brendan Doherty, do you think there's other life in the universe? Just answered that a few minutes ago, Brendan. Yes, I do. Another question about the universe. The He-Man film, Masters of the Universe, was released 30 years ago today. Have you seen the film and were you a fan as a youngster? Um... So, I used to do a podcast called the Animates Podcast, where we talk about animation. Um, I've never seen the Masters of the Universe um, film, because by the time it came into our video shop near me, I think I was maybe 11 or 12, and I was no longer interested in it. So, I've never seen the actual film with Dolph Lundgren in it. Um, I have listened to the episode of How Did This Get Made, the fantastic film podcast where they talk about how terrible it is. Um, But I've never seen it. I didn't particularly care for the cartoon either. I was more of a Transformers fan as a kid. I like Transformers and uh, uh, I like Transformers and Mask. They were my two favourite cartoons as a kid. Never, never a massive fan. Never a massive fan of Hema. I, I feel like I've let everyone know. Daniel Brewer, hey Jim, I'm a new fan since WrestleMania. I think you guys had the best show that weekend. Oh, thanks. I presume you mean progress. I mean, it's brilliant if Tuesday Night Jewel was the best WrestleMania review show that you heard. I have two questions for you. One, what has been the most surreal experience you've had during a show? Um, uh, It's a weird one, really. Like, because I plan the shows, nothing that happens on the shows is ever that weird. Um, I think Will Ospreay jumping off the balcony was odd because he didn't tell me he was going to do it. Um, So that's certainly the most shocked I've been. Um, One of my favourite pops we've ever got um, short of the one that happened last week which was tremendous was um, when William Regal appeared on a show and how I told people he was coming out by just playing it down hopping out of the ring and saying oh just someone wants to say hello and his music hitting and people lost their minds I think I really enjoyed that I did not enjoy him taking the piss out of me on the stage at the ballroom <clears throat> and then he says what's been the most awkward moment during a show when he took the piss out of me on the stage at the ballroom um no, um, an awkward moment would be the last Manchester show, where um, at the end of the uh, the three-way tag match, I needed to tell the fans who had won because there was confusion, and the sound guy would not switch my microphone back on, and I got quite angry. Um, because if I'd, have, if I'd have had the microphone within two seconds of the pinfall happening, I could have said who'd won, and everyone wouldn't have been sitting there scratching their heads. But what actually happened was people were confused, because... They wouldn't put my microphone on, despite me being stood in front of the man who needed to switch my microphone on. Charlotte Thomas. Hiya, Jim. Loving the podcast. Since the Kurt Angle, Jason Jordan thing, more and more people have been confessing to having children no one knew about. Just ask Glenn about his dear son, Chris Brooks. There's only about 10 years difference between them. 
If you could have any two wrestlers on the Progress roster as your children, male or f- male and female, disregarding age and all that, who would they be and why? Um, they would be, um, <clears throat> they would be Jack Sexsmith as my son and Laura Di Matteo as my daughter. Um, Laura would work because I am only very small part Italian, and um, but my grandmother was Italian, so I have Italian family. So Laura would work, um, and um, and Jack because I always feel quite fatherly towards him anyway. So I think that works. Thank you, Charlie. Ian Reed. Um, hello. Hope all is good with the family and new baby. He's not even that new. He's one this week. He's one on Friday, the day before our show in New York. That's why he's coming to America. Um, uh, so, um, yeah, I have a few questions I've always wanted to ask. If WWE phone tomorrow and say they want you on their product, would you up everything and go? Do you mean me personally? Um, I don't think I could ever up everything and go. I mean, there's there's more to consider. I, you know, whilst hosting Progress, I'm also one of the owners, so I can never just up and go. Um, more to the point, I have a wife and two children. Um, uh, my daughter doesn't live with me as well, so it's very complicated. Um, that said, um, I see. I don't ever. I don't like being a ring announcer, so I don't know what WWE could ever ask me to do that would make me up and go. Like I, I make no secrets about the fact that if I could find a way to work full time in wrestling, and WWE were the reason that I could work full time in wrestling, I would take it. But it's complicated because I can't really live in America because of my family. Um, so it's not something I ever really see happening. Um, uh, but, you know, my dream when I was 17 was to work in wrestling. And I remember writing letters to WWE when I was like 20, 21, trying to get writing jobs out of them. So, you know, um, I'd certainly have to consider it. Let's put it that way. Um, <clears throat> if you could choose any role within WWE, what would it be? Um, somewhere as far away from a camera as possible. I do not like seeing myself on camera. I do not like the sound of my own voice, despite the fact I've been talking now for 53 minutes. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, something as far away and behind the scenes as is humanly possible. Um, if you could create a card of just wrestling legends in their prime, what would your card be? I'm not going to answer that one, because I'm aware this podcast will be super, super long. Um, Jason Jordan is Kurt's secret son. Which wrestler would you want to be your secret father and secret son? Secret son? Um, I would definitely want, as previously mentioned, to be Jack Sexsmith. Secret father, um, I think William Regal, just because he'd be so pissed off about it. Oh, he'd be so disappointed. Think how disappointed he'd be in me. Um, thank you, Ian. David Kraushaar. Hope I've pronounced your name correctly. Um, hi, Jim. If you had to create a wrestling company completely run by wrestlers... Who would you have and what job would they do? For example, writers, commentator, bookers, agents, and ref. That's quite a good question. Um, as referee, um, I'd basically take any of the NXT referees, all of whom are wrestlers, um, uh, uh, um, because I just think, having seen them do their job up close, you're like you look at them and go, "You're, you're all more well built and look like you can you can win a fight quite easily." Um, uh, so uh, I think that's. That's the general direction I go in. In terms, I just use the NXT refs because they are all wrestlers. Um, agents. Um, well, we've been doing this backstage at our shows, you know, and we've had various people do really good jobs being agents backstage at our shows. Uh, uh, Flash Morgan Webster's done a good job of it. RJ Singh's done a good job of it. Jimmy Havoc did a good job of it when his his knee was broken. So you know, they're all people I consider for it. Um, 
commentator. Oh, that's difficult. That's very difficult. I mean, because you need someone. Ideally, you need someone fairly motormouth to be commentator. To be commentator. So yeah, and in terms of writers, like most people have worked for the Progress roster for a significant period of time. I've had some input into their storylines and have done a really, really good job. So people like Jimmy, people like Pete Dunne, Trent Seven, Tyler Bate, um, <clears throat> people like Mark Andrews, people, um, uh, people like even you know the, the newer guys like Jack Sexsmith all have really good ideas. So I think if you could do it that way, it'd be great. The problem is, is one of the reasons Progress works as a company is you have three non-wrestlers running the company um, and then all the absolutely brilliant talent doing all the, the really cool stuff. But we, we're the ones who do all the boring stuff behind the scenes and it means those guys can concentrate on wrestling, which is why it always works better that way around, I feel. Good question though, David. Um, right, next. Uh, Rory Gold. Uh, hey there, Jim. Given how mental 2017 in wrestling is and how virtually anything is possible, which NXT wrestler would you love to bring in for a progress show? Um, ooh, ooh, loads of them. Um, genuinely loads of them. I mean, I'm aware that <laughs> we've, we've borrowed two WWE contracted talent for our show in New York in Jack Gallagher and Dakota Kai. Um, I'd like to see a fit against Maso Ciampa back in our ring. I'd like to see Alistair Black back in our ring. I'd like to see Johnny Gargano back in our ring. I'd like to see Cassius Ono back in our ring. Um, having um, having seen him wrestle quite a bit over the course of the, the two NXT tours that I got to see, um, I'd like to see Velveteen Dream in, in our ring at some point. Um, and, you know, when you, you realise that people like Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fischer there now as well, it's like, those guys... Um, so yeah, and also uh, Ruby Riot, Ember Moon, Asuka, any of those against Tony Storm would be pretty sweet, wouldn't it? So yeah, thanks, mate. <clears throat> Jim Taylor, I know you're busy this week, so thanks for putting out a Tuesday night, Joe. Thank you, mate, for listening. Good luck to everyone in the Progress family with your shows in New York and Boston. Now to my questions. Um, how long did you know that the London Riots will be dissolving and JD will be coming Strangler Davis? Um... Do you want the, the kayfabe answer or the not kayfabe answer? I'm going to give you the kayfabe answer. I didn't know anything until he hit him with a cricket bat. Jim. I'm smiling. Um, regarding character turns in progress, how much input does the wrestler have? If you wanted to turn, for example, Nathan Cruz's face or William Eva Heel and they weren't comfortable with the switch, would you re- rethink it? Absolutely yes. Um, we don't just blindly expect people to be cool with stuff. But when we're pitching a turn to someone we say this is what we want to do and why and they're nearly always on board we don't ever just hotshot stuff everything has a lot of thought put into it three it seems like the brit rest scene is finally noticing how good in the ring laura dimiteo and chuck mambo are they are both very good does it bother you when talents like these are overlooked undervalued or do you feel any pressure to give them a greater platform to perform on as a result um not really I, we gave them we gave them their start and it's kind of you can only give people a start and it's kind of up to them you could give you could give talent, and, and this does not apply to Laura and Chuck, but you could give talent all the time in the world in a progress ring. It doesn't necessarily mean that everyone else in the country is going to like them. I think in the case of Laura and Chuck, they are both excellent, um, and people are rightly seeing it. Just takes it takes a bit of ring time. It takes time for people to catch on. You know, again, Keith Lee is in his in his early thirties. He's been wrestling ten years, and it's now people look at him and go, "Well, he's the man." Yes, he is. But there will have been time when he was, you know, just starting to find his feet. 
and that's what everyone always has to appreciate i feel um uh, but you know i don't i you know I'm, I'm always very proud when people that i like get booked elsewhere um but equally there's people who we've booked who have made a name elsewhere first and then we've started using them so you know it's it's up to everyone in Britrest to to make new stars and give more and more people the chance to shine that makes any sense thanks jim <clears throat> d goodyear Hi Jim, do you think WWE could benefit from reintroducing the TV titles? Give something for the lower mid card guys, Ty Dillinger, Sami Zayn, etc. A chance for meaningful TV matches. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, the TV title in WCW was often it, it was it was not as important as uh, it, it wasn't considered a particularly important title. The ECW TV title was more important, but it, often it comes down to who holds it. You have someone like. Rob Van Dam holding the ECW TV title for ages, it really felt like it meant something, on a par with their world title. But the WCW TV title, beautiful belt though it was, with a bit of black and red on it, it just it never really felt like it was that important, really. <coughs> After Cena inevitably retires at a WrestleMania to continue with his burgeoning movie career, who do you think will be the next big Hollywood star from the roster? Uh, Jack Gallagher. Um, I don't know. Um, it'd be great if it was Jack. Tremendous. Because I think the, the good thing about Jack, biased again, friend of the show, friend of mine, um, is everyone knew that he was a good wrestler and also a great MMA fighter. People didn't necessarily know that he could talk. And he can talk. And it's really coming, becoming apparent now. So, you know, maybe acting's the next logical step for him. That'd be great, wouldn't it? If that was the case. Would there ever be a chance to put together a UK independent WrestleMania, a supercard of different companies? Supercards, you know my opinion on them. I don't particularly care for them. The problem with that is everyone would be... if let's We all share talent. So what would the progress match be? Because we all share talent. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's the thing that makes it a problem. Plus then you've got egos. And, you know, everyone gets on, everyone plays nicely in the main. But we've got egos. And we'd want us to come out of it looking great. So, you know, the booking meeting would be fractious. Let's put it that way. <clears throat> Neil Pike, what are your favourite wrestling books? Um, my favourite wrestling books are uh, Have a Nice Day by Mick Foley, Walking the Golden Mile by William Regal, um, the first Chris Jericho book, uh, Dynamite Kids book, uh, Bret Hart's autobiography. I like autobiographies quite a lot. My, my problem with most wrestling books um, are that they're often, if they're based on the history of wrestling, they're often negative. It's often, this is why WCW failed or ECW failed or why WWE was struggling at this point or why this wrestler did this thing. <coughs> and you know me, I like wrestling and I think it's quite a positive thing. So I don't particularly, I've read a lot of books about it, but I always kind of come away from it going, eh. Um, Stan Hansen's autobiography, while it's in my head, also very good. Road Warrior Animals autobiography, also excellent, where I learned that he invented Zubas, the big baggy trousers. Um, and in terms of blogs not a blog because it's a newsletter but I've read the Wrestling Observer for a couple of decades and you know I have no there's no danger of me stopping reading it at any point I still read it and I enjoy reading I probably enjoy reading the archives more than anything else <coughs> what I mentioned Arnold Furious and James Dixon's History of um, Raw and History of WWE Videos books uh, that you can get on Kindle um, uh, I don't always agree with the negativity towards some people in it. However, um, they are fantastic documents in terms of just knowing what happened. 
like being able to read about every episode of Raw that happened in a year is, is just really cool. I think I've just bought out a new one for 2001, um, uh, which I've just downloaded this week. So, yeah. Thanks, Neil. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Phil, hey Jim, wondering what was your first blown-away match? was without being told beforehand. Mine was RVD, Jerry Lynn from Living Dangerously. Oh, what a match, mate. What a ma- I'll be honest, I remember buying that. I bought it on a VHS from HMV in Leicester. Took it home, watched it with me mate. Blown away by it, watched it again. And such a good match. The first one for me that I remember at the time being really, really blown away by was... Um, the Heart Foundation versus Demolition two out of three falls match. Like, even as a kid, there was something... About, it's one of my favourite tag matches ever, and there's there's something about that match that really, really blew me away. <clears throat> and especially going into it, neither... My favourite tag team for years was the Rockers. Um, and I didn't care for Demolition, and I didn't particularly care for the Heart Foundation at the time. Learned to appreciate them later on. But but that, that for me, what a match. What a tremendous match. Might go and watch that later on when I'm trying to get to sleep. Borak. Hey, Borak. Um, he says, which four of the Progress roster, past or present, would you like to see on Come Dine With Me? And what would their themes be? I'm not going to do the themes because it will take too long. Um, Jimmy Havoc, um, for obvious terrifying reasons. And he's also a really good cook. He's cooked for me before. He's really good at it. Um, El Liguero because I want to see him communicate via the art of contemporary dance. Um, Jack Sexsmith, because 
it would be fabulous. And oh, who's the fourth? Uh, any one of the vegans, um, just to make things difficult. So let's pick Laura Di Matteo because we we mentioned her before. Um, will we be getting progress pajamas or jogging bottoms anytime soon? Pajamas probably not. Jogging bottoms maybe. If you could change the finish for any WrestleMania main event in history, which would it be? What would it be, and why? Uh, it would be the main event of WrestleMania 17, or X7, if you want, um, where Steve Austin turned heel on The Rock. Uh, I wouldn't have had him turn heel there and then. I would have had him do it the next night, because just because it was in Texas and the reaction was a bit off. But apart from that, no, I don't think I'd change any of others. Uh, that's the one that sticks out instantly in my head, Barack. Susie Jackson. Hello, Susie. Thank you for coming to my gig the other week. Um, hey, Jim. Um, you said these are always your favourite episodes. Thanks. I'm, I'm glad you enjoy them. I got a lot of questions, which I wasn't expecting. Um, which people, uh, McMahon family aside, do you think have had the greatest influence on the wrestling industry that we see in 2017? Um, I think... Hmm. It's a tough one, that. That's a very tough one. I think... If you look at the influence that... So, if you imagine most younger wrestlers now, who they were watching when they were growing up, it would have been Steve Austin and The Rock in the main. And I think their style of working and their style of promoing and everything, I think that's had a massive effect on on everybody in the world of wrestling. So, I think they're probably the people, even if people don't want to admit it, they're probably the people that have had the most influence just from from watching people. I don't think anyone now gets into wrestling and wants to emulate Hulk Hogan or the Ultimate Warrior. I think everyone wants to emulate those guys. <clears throat> of the wrestlers around in the Monday Night Wars era of the late 90s, which would you have wanted to have working for you in progress and why? Um, I mean, Steve Austin, because I, I would love to be a billionaire, is the obvious answer. Um, Goldust was one of my favourite wrestlers from the Attitude Era. I thought he was brilliant. I thought he was tremendous because it was so out of left field and it was it was such a... It was such a unusual gimmick to be doing at the time. And and I remember at the time just thinking, this is something special. And and everything they did with it, from initially the, the heat that he got, and then to the babyface reactions that he was getting, um, I just think Goldust was brilliant. If I had to pick someone outside of the guys who were drawing a ton of money. <clears throat> if you could tell yourself, John and Glenn, anything about the journey you were about to embark on with progress back when it all began, what would you say? I would say... Maybe keep a diary of all of this because it's insane. Because um, there's stuff I've forgotten about our company. You know, I, I loads of stuff I've forgotten that we've done. And sometimes either John or Glenn will remind me of it. I'll be like, oh, right. Just wish I kept a diary a bit more. <coughs> um, but thank you, Susie. Thank you for your questions. Uh, what's next? Craig. Craig Wayneman. Says, if you could create a main event that could include anyone, real or fictitious, who would it be between? And what would the match stipulations be? Um, the Rock, movie star The Rock, against Batman. Because it would be the best drawing match of all time. Purely thinking of it as, prom- as a promoter. Um, and I'd like, I'd like a bajillion pounds. The Rock versus Batman. Make it happen. Um, thank you, Craig. Jack Burns says, Hi Jim, a long time fan of the podcast. It's always great to hear yourself and whichever fantastic guests you have on each week. And hopefully someday I can get to a progress show and give you a high five. Always welcome. 
Even if you're not on a progress show, you see me in a train station, Jack. Just give me a high five. He says, what is your favourite ever G1 tournament in its entirety? Um, I know your favourite match was part of a G1 in 2013. Um, but was it part of the best? Also, if you're watching the current G1, what is your favourite match so far? I haven't seen anything from the G1 this year. Um, sorry. Um, I think it's the 2013 G1 because it, it was the point where I fell back into watching the G1 with any form of regularity. But also it has the Ishii Shibata match which I frequently lose my mind over and tell you all about. Um, and that was my gateway into it. Someone told me about that match, gateway back into it, then watched all of the G1, and you know. So I think it's probably 2013. Um, but, um, I mean, it's good every year. It just sets such a high bar every year. I will get around to watching it at the minute. I'm only consuming it in gift form at the minute <laughs> because I'm so busy. But, you know, hopefully I'll find a way to watch it at some point. Thank you, Jack. Uh, Ethan Allen says, hello, would you consider doing a super strong style 16 type event in Manchester? Um, no, Ethan. Um, purely because super strong style is, it's a bit like doing Battle of Los Angeles not in Los Angeles. Super strong style 16 is kind of our, it's our showcase little tournament thing and it we, we kind of have to do it in London. Um, it, it's it's tricky because we love doing shows in Manchester. The reaction we get to everything in Manchester is great. The you know It's, it, it's brilliant up there. But um, doing super strong style no I think that's that's going to remain a London thing for the foreseeable future obviously like I always say in these podcasts never say never but I did just say it twice um, Ethan also asked me about the Leo Rush no sell but I've answered that before um, it also says promo advice for trainees um, I get asked this a lot and if you are a trainee wrestler I genuinely mean this and you filmed a promo DM me a link to it put it up on YouTube on a private link DM me I'll watch it for you I'll tell you what I think. Um, Glenn would probably do the same for you. Um, my advice is this. Um, practice, 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 practice. When I was learning to become a stand-up comedian, I practiced for probably four hours a day. I'm not kidding. Um, my drive to work, my drive home from work, in the shower in the morning, cooking my dinner at night, um, just sat playing video games. I'd constantly go over my material and practice and get better at talking. <clears throat> the difference between me 12 years ago when I was okay when I started stand-up comedy to how confident I am now and what my diction's like now bear in mind I've got a stutter as well which doesn't come out very often like I really had to work at it you have to work at it to be good at promos absolutely <coughs> when you're writing a promo always make sure that the most important thing you say in a sentence is at the end of it don't make your important point and then say four or five words after it it's like how jokes are written the last word you say is always the punchline that's how promos should be written. And make sure you're making eye contact. So if you're doing a promo in the ring, look at someone in the front row. If you're doing a promo to camera, make sure you just imagine you're looking someone in the eye at all times. The eye contact is super important because it makes you look more confident. And the more you practice eye contact, the more you will look comfortable doing it and the, the better you'll get at it. Josh Woodcock says, love progress, thanks mate. As a fan that lacks any peripheral vision whatsoever and uses a white stick, oh bless you, the crowds, ring crew and security, despite the stick they get sometimes, all the shows I've been to have been super helpful and accommodating, it really makes a difference. I'm really glad to hear that Josh, thank you very much. My question is, I saw a recent tweet of yours, paraphrasing here, saying that travelling for comedy takes its toll but for wrestling it doesn't, which is true. If progress got to a position that you could promote full time, if it isn't already, it's far from that already mate. Would you take it? 
Or do you like the balance that you have now between comedy and wrestling? Um, <clears throat> for me, the, the thing that gets me about travel is not seeing my family. So being away from my wife, being away from my son, not getting a chance to see my daughter, which is difficult enough anyway. So that's the thing that the travel gets to me for. Comedy, there's some gigs I love doing. Comedia in Brighton and Bath, uh, the Boat Show in London, the Glee Clubs in Birmingham, Nottingham, Cardiff, Oxford, the Frog and Bucket in Manchester, uh, Last Laugh in Sheffield, the Stand in Newcastle, the Stand in Glasgow, the Stand in... These are clubs I love performing at. I love going overseas to do stand-up. <clears throat> Unfortunately, they're not all my gigs. Quite a lot of my gigs are not fun. Sometimes Progress fans or Tuesday Night Jaw listeners will come to see me do stand-up. And they'll say, oh, that was really good. And I'll say, no, if you came to see me in a nicer club, it'd be better. Because comedy's my job. It was fun. It still can be fun. But in the main, it's my job. It's the thing I do to pay my bills. Wrestling does pay some of my bills. But it can't pay them all yet. And I still love wrestling. It still feels like a hobby for me, even though it is definitely a full-time job. If, if I could go full-time in wrestling then great. I think I'd never stop doing stand-up. I'd still do, if I had to cut down to doing four gigs a month instead of 20, I'd do that. Just because, you know, you never know when wrestling's going to go go tits up and I need to do comedy again. So, um, yeah, I, I think for me, I, I'd like a better work-life balance if I am. And that's a shoot. Um, <clears throat> but at the minute, I've got to keep doing comedy full speed and I've got to keep doing wrestling full speed. But you never know, one day. But it's hard. I, you know, I'm I'm not the majority owner of Progress, and I, you know, we we do okay for money, but we're not making a fortune. So, you know, it's it's not. I don't see it happening on the horizon immediately, unfortunately. Um, believe me, if there's ever a time I can just uh, stop doing stand up and you just relax a bit more, I would, but I don't see that coming. Josh also says, um, yourself and the insane number of wrestlers who are vegan have inspired me to take the step I've always wanted to take, but didn't think I could and become vegetarian. I can really feel the difference in how I feel day to day. Me too, mate. Although sometimes, because I'm vegetarian now, sometimes I do eat too much bread to compensate for the fact that I am hungry um, and I'm not great at eating protein. So do watch that, you know, but my the first, I've been a veggie now for three months, I think, and I feel great. Um, it's difficult to be vegetarian in, in America, and there's times, there's days when I may have to be pescatarian. But I'm hoping I can avoid those. Um, but I'm certainly never eating meat again, and um, that makes me happy. Um, if you eat meat, by the way, you're fine to do so. Same as if you drink alcohol. I just happen to be vegetarian and straight edge. I'm not being precious. Thank you, Josh. Uh, Lauren says, Hi, Jim. My question, how the hell did you and everybody else keep the return of TK and Dahlia a secret? It's quite simple, Lauren. Um, We care a lot about storylines, so therefore we kept it really, 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 really quiet. Um, uh, We assisted in sorting their visas out, and we knew about it, and we smuggled them in after the show had started. And then, hey presto, mega pop. Um, Because it's... That's what's... The way I look at it, it's the same with Jimmy's return at Brixton Academy last year when Jimmy turned on me. You're meant to keep these things like <clears throat> they're meant to be a surprise, and that's what what wrestling's about. That's the joy of it, isn't it? So if you 
if you tease everything too much, then nothing's a surprise. So the fact that this came out of nowhere, I think, contributed to getting the pop that it got, and it was a mega, mega pop, and makes me very happy. Stuff like that, you don't have to look how pleased I looked at the end of um, end of the show. <clears throat> when you get a pop like that, it's like, oh, we're we're okay at this. This is good. But yeah, it involved quite a lot of us keeping it quiet. TK and Dahlia keeping it quiet. Taxi driver keeping it quiet. Everyone in the locker room keeping it quiet. You know, but it's that's how we do business and how we will always try and do business, which is hard in the days of the internet, but that's what we try and do. Thank you, Lauren. Also, by the way, thank you to everybody. Nearly all of these emails, you ask, you, you're just saying, hope hope your family are well. Yeah, thanks. It, it genuinely means a lot to me that you guys go out of your way to say that. So we've got 26 of these left. George, George Howell. Um <clears throat> So he says, hi, Jim. People always moan about wrestlers when they leave the indies to join WWE. Yeah, this is a bone of contention with me. So as a wrestling promoter, if we lose people to WWE, like at the end of Brixton Academy last year, we lost three of our biggest stars. Tommaso, who was coming over here all the time, uh, Tommy End and Jack Gallagher, both of whom could feasibly be in a progress, be in progress champions. All three of them could. Um, and we lost them. And, and someone after that show said, oh, you must be really annoyed that you're losing them. I'm like, no, they're three of my friends and I want them to go and spread their wings and do what makes them happy. If going to WWE makes them happy, then go to WWE or go to New Japan or go to Ring of Honor or wherever. <clears throat> I want people to be happy. And conversely, because I, I'm very upfront and saying I want people to be happy and I want people to get to whatever level, I think that means people work harder for me and for progress. So, you know, it's the right way to be. He says, uh, George says, since this is such a positive podcast, which wrestlers do you think have improved the most since leaving the indies to join WWE? Um, I think the one that, that really sticks out for me is Kevin Owens. Now, he was already really good. Like, I'm not saying he wasn't good. He was, as a base level, he was tremendous. But if I remember him going to WWE and me thinking, oh, he doesn't he looks a certain way and I don't know if he'll necessarily take the step up and oh my god has he taken the step up he's only been there what what three years and he's a main eventer and and that is that's the key Seth Rollins has done a great job as well because he was great in Ring of Honor Um, but I think Kevin Owens I didn't expect it I I knew he'd be great and I knew I'd always enjoy his stuff but I didn't know if he'd catch on in WWE and he has and I think that's just so cool so cool. Right. Next up. Kieran. I don't know. If, Kieran. Is it Kieran Lilly or Kieran Lily? You've only got one L. You've got two L's, obviously. The, the first L and then one L in the middle. Hey, Jim. Knowing what you know now, if you could go back in time to five years ago, what advice would you give yourself when you first started Progress? Um, the one I said before, keep a diary. And the other one would be, learn how to get into a ring before your first ever show. Thanks, Kieran. Um, ben Wisniewski. I hope that's hope that's good. Wisniewski, I think. Thanks, Ben. Um, morning, boss. Uh, thanks for doing all the all the everything. High five. Um, has there been a heel so effective in their work and demeanour that you've actually had preconceptions about their attitude before you've met them? Oh, um, let's have a think. I, I'll be honest. Nearly everybody, as I've said before, nearly everybody who's worked for Progress is always is always super 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 nice um and and in some cases there's certainly not been a heel that we've used where i've thought oh god they're going to be 
absolutely terrible. They're going to mean the worst human being in the world. I don't think that's ever happened. Um, a great example of someone who is always a heel is, is the aforementioned Kevin Owens. I remember being introduced to him, weirdly, by Trent Seven. And uh, and this is already, you know, this is backstage at WWE. And, and, and I was like, he's, he's a sweetheart all the time. And I know this because I listened to him on podcast, but there is still that little bit of trepidation of, oh, maybe he is really evil. No, he's not. I mean, he's, you should boo him on screen. That's the whole point of him. He's a heel. You're meant to boo him. If you appreciate his work, boo him. But he's a good dude and he's a good dad and he's a zoo enthusiast. So good on him. Uh, next, Matt Freeman says, Hi, Jim. Looking forward to the Ali Pali show. First ever live wrestling event for me. You picked well, sir. First ever live wrestling event. 2,000 nutters in Alexandra Palace watching us. Oh, you you deserve a high five. My question is, have you ever had to change a storyline based on fan reaction? Yes, we have. I'm not telling you which one it is um, <clears throat> because I'm aware some people are still working their way through the progress stuff. Um, but we have, 100%. Yes. Um, we didn't change it like there and then. We changed it over the course of three or four shows, but we have, definitely, yes. Um, thinking of the way WWE continues to position Roman Reigns as a face despite the huge chorus of booze he gets every time he comes out. I'll argue with you here. He is positioned as a face to people who want him to be a face. He's positioned as a heel to people who want to boo him. He really is. You know, the WWE know he's being booed. They're not. They've not got earplugs in. It's very much like John Cena. They never needed to turn John Cena heel because, to some people, John Cena was already the biggest heel in the company. It's the same with Roman Reigns. Um, it says it seems odd to me the commentators never acknowledge it and just pretend it's not happening. Um, I think in some cases they do acknowledge it. I'm never. I'm not the biggest fan of 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 sort of saying that certain cities are more likely to boo and stuff like that I think but I think Roman Reigns in particular does a very good job of acknowledging it and I've said this before I think the best 10 minutes of any Raw this year is the opening 10 minutes of the Raw after Wrestlemania which I was at live and him standing there while people booed him saying it's my yard now a little smirk on his face and walking out that's a heel he's acting like a heel so he acts like a heel for the people who don't like him. He acts like a baby face for the kids and that who want who you know who think he's great. It's it's very clever if you think about how it's positioned. <coughs> but I think if he was if he was getting universally one reaction, then fine. But I've been to I've been to WWE house shows where he gets cheered more than anyone else. So it just depends on your viewpoint. Thank you though, Matt. Good question. Dave Higgins. Um it's another it's another uh, who would you like as your child question. I think that we might have a few of these now. Um, uh, Andrew Greening. Um, Hi, Jim. At the end of Chapter 53, you mentioned at the end of the at the end that the pop that South Pacific Power, tri- uh, power Trip um, had just received was the loudest you'd heard in independent wrestling. Even though I think we might already know number one, what are your f- top five loudest wrestling pops that you've witnessed? Um... <clears throat> I'm not going to say that all they're all ones where I was in the arena for them, um, and in no particular order, because I think the Kiwis' return is massive. Jimmy Havoc's return at Brixton was massive. Um, <clears throat> harder to gauge because Jimmy's return was in a bigger venue with a higher ceiling, um, but both of them absolutely off the charts insanity in terms of indie wrestling. Um, uh, I think uh, Steve Austin turning up. Um, this is two pops in one match. Steve Austin turning up with a chair and then him using the chair on the rock, Mick Foley getting the pin and winning the title on Raw in um, the beginning of 1999. 
<coughs> there are another two massive, massive, massive pops. I've been watching a lot of 97, 98 WWE at the minute, and every time Steve Austin comes out, the, the reaction is insane. But then also there's the pop at uh, Canadian Stampede, the In Your House pay-per-view, where the Hart family are on a heel run, but it's in Canada. The reaction to them there is, is insane as well. So, yeah, there's some that just... Uh, Stick in my head. I like the fact that, Andy, you've put age 29 from Bermondsey, London. Good man. Ben Owens. Hi, Jim. If you had to get a wrestler's tattoo, not a tattoo of a wrestler. I've got one of those already. I've got one of Mick Foley. But the same one a wrestler has, what would it be? Um, I don't know. Probably one of CM Punk's. Um, probably be CM Punk's straight edge one across the stomach or the drug-free ones across the knuckles. Probably. It's probably a lame answer, but I think they're the ones I get. Um... Do you remember Midian's tattoos? He had some mad ones, didn't he? Because he had one of, I think, Doc Holliday, the bandit, um, on his arm. And I've got a tattoo of Ron Burgundy on my arm. And once someone genuinely, I was doing a wrestling-themed stand-up show, and someone said to me, have you got the same tattoo as Midian? Which is such a niche reference. Chris Hawks. Uh, Morning, Jim. I'm attending the Royal Rumble next year, after my last WWE pay-per-view being Royal Rumble 2014. Please help me dream a little and fantasy book CM Punk. God, that's weird how this is a psychic link. Making his return in January at the Wells Fargo Centre. Don't think it's going to happen, mate. Congratulations to you, John, Glenn, and all at Progress for the continued success. Can't wait for Ali Pally. Um, <sighs> the thing with the Royal Rumble is, Chris, if you were going to have him make his return there, is he comes out at number 30, but you to get the ultimate... So whether it's CM Punk or anyone else, this is how you do it. You you make it at number 30 when everyone's expecting someone else to be at number 30. So it's inverse Daniel Bryan, if that makes sense. Remember when Rey Mysterio came out and poor Rey got booed because everyone thought it was Daniel Bryan? Then you do it the other way around. So for the, the entirety of the show, you have someone who's won... Uh, you have someone who's won a, uh, the, the chance to come in at number 30. And they, know, they play their music, they no-show... They play their music again, they no-show. They give them a 10 count, they they still don't show. And then uh, the countdown starts again and people are like, oh, surely this is going to be them actually turning up. Uh, it must just be some kind of weird technical fault or a delay or something like that. And then whoever's making their shock debut slash return, their music hits, they come out, they win the Royal Rumble. I don't think you'd do it any stronger than that, can you? That's how I'd do it. Joshua Gorringe says, if I gave you £1 million, would you fight Minoru Suzuki? Yeah, because he'll knock me out in a second and I get a million pounds, dude. Come on. If you can you crowdfund it, mate. I, I, I want a million pounds. If people desperately want me to be able to give up comedy, as a few people do seem to, then let's make this happen. Lloyd Barrett says, hi Jim, after listening to the Top 10 Heel Runs episode, I looked deeper into the Age of the Fall stuff and thought it was awesome how well the internet was utilised for the time period. Do you think something similar could be pulled off in the current day using social media? Um, we tried it a bit in progress with the faceless. Um, it's hard to do because, unfortunately, the more technologically advanced we become as a society, the smarter everyone gets. and It's harder to fool people. Um, the Age of the Fall was timed perfectly about when it happened. So I think it'd be difficult. Doesn't mean people aren't going to try and do it. Um, uh, but, you know, social media has its uses. You look at one minute, um, Jack Gallagher and Pete Dunne are baiting each other on Twitter, and the next minute, we've got a match in New York. So, 
you know, social media can be used in that way, but I think in terms of something as far-reaching as the Age of the Fall gimmick, it's it's going to be difficult to do something that brave, I think. Andy Birmingham, man who has me tattooed on him. Um, have you ever thought that someone turning a working heel has taken has taken what they said too far? <clears throat> what happened at the ballroom at Chapter 53 was crushing, but considering it was, I'm sure the guys worked it out before, but still bloody hell. Now, spoilers, this is to do with the London riots breaking up. Um, have I ever thought anyone's done anything to... Yeah, um, when Jimmy Havoc turned heel, he poured beer on me, and I'm a former alcoholic. That's too far. But was I mad about it? No, because he improvised in the spur of the moment, and um, it worked. Um, obviously, wrestlers work stuff out with themselves. So, you know, if 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 everyone ever went too far, someone would get knocked the fuck out. So, <coughs> yeah, I... I mean, bear in mind as well, promos at promos at progress shows go through me and Glenn anyway. So, you know, I'm always fine with it. It's the use of real life in promos is often difficult for some people to palate, but I think in that case it was it was well used and worked well. Stuart Clark, hi Jim, been listening to Tuesday Night Jaw for a while. Absolutely love the show. Thanks, mate. My question is, do you think there could be a progress ICW invasion style show in the future? Um, nope. Answered this before, Stuart. Because um, uh, it was a fair while ago. I'm going to say it again. Nope. Um, purely because when there's an invasion style show, someone has to win, someone has to lose. Um, that's difficult. Um, and also, ICW do their own thing, we do our own thing, and we share a lot of roster members. So it's it's not as easy as people think. Thanks for the question, though, Stuart. Rob says hello i attended the last progress show in birmingham and had a great time i'm hoping it to make hoping to make it down to a london show soon um has becoming a wrestling promoter made you more forgiving of creative choices made by wwe and other promotions absolutely so being a wrestling promoter took me from being a the smarkiest of smarky fans who complained about stuff and bitched about stuff and always thought i knew better to realizing that we do two shows a month writing those shows is hard which is why i'm so defensive about it if someone criticizes our shows i'll often say yeah but because it's my baby and it's the thing i created with my two friends and i love progress and i love everything that we do so if people don't like something i will be defensive because we're still a small company relatively speaking imagine you work for ring of honor who have a tv deal or tna who have a tv deal or WWE who have 10 11 12 hours of new content a week Imagine how hard it is to write that. That's one of the reasons I I don't criticise wrestling anymore. <coughs> because it's just... It's hard. It's hard to put that amount of content together. So, you know, um, it definitely has. Um, never been asked that before, Rob, but good question. Thanks, mate. John says... Uh, says hi jim on tuesday night jaw two moves are spoken about regarding their legitimacy in the modern landscape scott norton's norton's shoulder breaker devastating in 1992 but transition move today uh, was the rocks finishing move wasn't it originally um and a carder's drop kick which legitimately looks impactful and convincing when involved in a finish pick two moves to have perception changes one finisher from today to become a transition move and one transition move to legitimize as a finisher wow that's good good question john um, I I don't think that the lariat is over enough as a finisher. It is in Japan, but it's not in in the states 
as much as it should be. I think if you if you hit someone with a lariat, it should be game over. I think anyone getting hit with a lariat, should you should be dead. I, I, partly because I love lariats. I've said this since day one of Tuesday Night Jaw. But with the exception of JBL losing, using one really, really well. Um, and occasionally, like Ring of Honor had a period where a few people used them as finishers. But I, I just love... Just love lariats to be used as finishers. Like if anyone hits a lariat at any point, that's it. Um, <clears throat> and the other one is is the super kick. So because the young books use super kicks to such good effect, sometimes comical. Um, I don't think that anyone should have a super kick really as a finisher anymore. I think that it's, you know, I think different moves like so. Alistair Black's Black Mass, which is a spin kick using his heel, which would kill you. Um, totally buy it as a finisher, but a super kick, because they're so overused now, I don't think anyone should use them as a finisher. They should only be used as transitions now. That's my my theory on it. Good question, though, mate. Um, he says, um, been following you since you supported Mr. Foley. Over the years, you've been a big influence on me. So thank you, Jim. Thank you, John. Can't believe I'm an influence on anyone. I'm not even an influence on my own son. He just He's a wild, wild baby. Tom Barker. If you could create three wrestlers' names, gimmicks, and a stable name, um, I know we've heard about Carbon Rod, Carbon Roderick for the heel run on Tuesday Night Job before. What would you create? Three wrestlers' names, gimmicks, and a stable name. Right, Tom, I'm going to have to come back to this one because I'm aware this is a long podcast already. Three wrestlers' names, gimmicks, and a stable. And, and I'd like, right, I'm going to cop out of this bit and say, like, I like things when things are themed. Right, so I love that, for example, Lij in New Japan. Everything's themed towards it being dark and evil and brooding. I, I like that. Um, you know, and sometimes this doesn't work, like head cheese in WWE in 1999. So, like, I like things when they're tied together with a gimmick. I would love, um, I'd love a stable in WWE that's just really British and just is really British themed. <coughs> obviously has British wrestlers in it Include it should have British wrestlers in it and one a bit like Tracy Smothers in the full-blooded Italians in ECW one American guy who's been hit in the head and thinks he's British um, and there should just be loads of puns and stuff mainly because I want the job right in the puns maybe this is my this is my way out of comedy and into a full-time wrestling job working for WWE writing puns maybe I don't know but yeah, I'd, 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 so I'd like that. I'd need to come up with more names and gimmicks. I need more time to prep because obviously I do these questions on the fly. But um, good question, Tom. Uh, Mick Cooper. Um, Tuesday night, your question for you. With the Premier League starting this weekend, who do you have as your progress football starting eleven? <clears throat> you choose the formation, but say where each person is playing. Um, so, um, and, th- and then you gave me some very reassuring words about missing Edinburgh this year, which has been making me sad as a comedian. Um, so, progress. All right. So, I'd have Eddie Dennis in goal because <clears throat> he's tall. Um, I'd have centre backs of Dave Mastiff and Rampage. No, Dave Mastiff and Volta. Um, I'd have Rampage Brown right back. Uh, I'd have Matt Riddle left back because defenders should all be hard shouldn't they Um, I would have Jimmy Havoc on the right wing I would have Kid Lycos on the left wing Uh, central midfield Flash Morgan Webster um, and uh, Damien Dunn 
just feel it'd be no nonsense, no fun approach in central midfield. And then up front, uh, Chris Brooks again, tall, I imagine, quite pacey, uh, and uh, body guy. Just because um, we'd have to play against Crystal Palace at some point, he'd have to score against them, and it would break his heart. Um, good question, though, Mick. I'm surprised I answered that that quickly. Chris Lacey. Um, hi, Jim. Hope you're well. With the rise of spoken word slash Q&A tours, who would you like to see do one? Um, Steve Austin or The Rock or um, Steve Austin or The Rock are the two. Like Austin in particular, I'm fascinated by Steve Austin and, and I, I just think he's great. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to see one I know Johnny Saints doing one up in Liverpool. I'd like to see one just of a, a collection of old World of Sport guys, just all sort of almost doing like a group chat together. I'd love to see that. Um, so Johnny and Marty Jones and Rollerball Rocco and, and and you know maybe Fit Finley. Oh, Fit Finley'd be great, wouldn't he? Oh, Fit Finley. Yeah, let's get Fit Finley to do one. That'd be tremendous. Um, great question, Chris. Dave Goodyear. Um, my question, can you see Paul Heyman turning his back on Brock at SummerSlam? If he was to, which of his opponents would you want him to side with? Um, Samoa Joe. Paul Heyman and Samoa Joe together. Just, I mean, it's it, nerdy wrestling fan in me's little dream. Just, it'd be so cool. So cool if he did that. Although, again, there's an argument. Him and Roman Reigns, if you really wanted to tip Roman Reigns over the edge of being a heel, ooh, that's the way of doing it. So, yeah, either one. I, I, could it happen? Very possibly. Um, I, I like having Brock around, so I'd be sad if Rock. This is the the last the last we're going to see Brock for a bit. But you know, he can always come back again and destroy more dudes. So yeah. Mark Leeming, uh, you ask how I book Takeover uh, Brooklyn Three, and then after I'm not going to answer this question partly because it's a really long question, um, and partly because I'm going to Takeover as a fan and I want to enjoy it. Um, I um I, I genuinely don't know how I how I'd go about booking it. At the minute I know I'm super excited about seeing it in particular um uh in particular seeing Asuka who I I think is fantastic um and seeing Alistair Black. Um but yeah, I don't I I I'm always I tend to shy away from these booking things because I I I get I get irked when people rebook progress shows and I know it's a big part of being a fan of wrestling. I'm not knocking people for doing it. I just you know, I always think it's not my job, <laughs> so I'm not going to do it. Um, but do, Mark, you tweet me and tell me what you want to see, though. All right, and then we'll see how it turns out. So you tweet me, Mark. I'm giving you that instruction now. Alex Evans. Um, Hi, Jim. After wrestlers make their progress debut, they often comment on how special the crowd and locker room are, such as Keith Lee did last week. What is it about the locker room that makes wrestlers enjoy it so much? Um, we treat wrestlers as human beings. Um, we're nice to everybody. The three of us are. We go out of our way to be nice to people. We, um, you often see wrestlers not complaining, but some wrestlers have problems with travel or hotels and stuff like that. We don't do that. We look after people properly. We look after people. We pay people properly. Um, and as a rule, I, th- I think we're good promoters. We we try to be nice, and that's from years of working in the entertainment industry and not always being treated nice. So we've seen it from the other side. Um, so I think that's partly it, and also. If you're difficult, you don't work for progress. So, as a rule, if you've been to a show, you've been backstage, you've been a bit of a dick, then we don't book you again. 
because I don't want anyone toxic in our locker room. It makes life difficult. There's no egos. There's no bitterness. Everyone gets on. Everyone has a laugh. It's good fun. And then we've got a great environment for people to perform in front of because we've spent five and a half years fostering the best possible working environment for wrestlers. So that's how it all comes from, I think. Um, it, 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 it touches me every time someone says something like that it really makes my day as well I, I genuinely like that and Keith's a dude he's a great guy Anthony Russell says pick one of the established rules that wrestling refs are meant to enforce with a match and either eliminate it from the rulebook entirely or change it more to your liking um, ooh, what don't I like um, hmm <clears throat> I, I'm fine with most referees things. I, it's a difficult one that because I'm I'm fine with most rules. I don't particularly care for countouts, but I get why they're there and used as a storytelling device. Um, I the one thing I don't like, and and so in WWE this is is very well enforced. If you if you shove a referee in WWE, you get disqualified. I I don't like people using referees to get heat in independent wrestling. So, you know, often we won't be told about it, but they'll shove a referee or whatever. And it's like, no, because you should be disqualified when you do that. And then if we've not booked you to lose, you've then fucked our booking. So it's more I'd like wrestlers to behave better around referees and referees to just carry on calling it like it's a shoot. Um, wrestlers as biscuits, go. I'm going to leave that one to you guys because it's getting late. Um, uh, so, um, but thank you, Anthony. Uh, Dinoco Chris says, "Hi Jim, choose five football teams that you'd like to see play this season in person, not on television. But you can't choose a team you support. You say a team. You can only support one team, Chris. You can only support one team. I have this discussion with Glenn all the time. Glenn supports Middlesbrough um, because of, <coughs> of, of, of his wife, and he also supports Newcastle United because it's where he's from. You can't support two teams." You genuinely cannot support two teams. Um, uh, I support Leicester City. I like other teams, but I support Leicester City. Um, so, <clears throat> teams I'd like to see play this season. Um, I'd like to go and see Leon with Matt Richards, because he supports Leon. Um, I know, I'm as shocked as you. Um, if you've heard him say Top Con Helio in, uh, in his accent, imagine him speaking French. So, I'd like to go and see Leon with him. I'd like to go see St. Pauli. I've been to Hamburg. Uh, my son's got a St. Pauli hoodie. Um, uh, I've got a St. Pauli shirt as mentioned before um, but uh, I've never had a chance to go and see them so I'd like to go and see St. Pauli um, I would um, <clears throat> I'd also uh, who else is there I'd like to go and see Fiorentina because it's their last season in their current stadium um, I would like to go and see Portland Timbers because I want to go to Portland anyway and watch my basketball team the Trailblazers and I think that leaves me one more one more. I would like to go and see. Uh, I've been to see Forest Green Rovers already, so that's not that interesting. Um, having already been to their ground for when I used to do my blog, um, I don't, I'd like to go to a J League game. Gambo Osaka. Let's say that. There we go. Good question, that Chris. Dan Threader. Uh, says I have a, ch- a question for Tuesday Night Joe about progress and it is what has been your favourite chapter name and why it's the chapter in Birmingham I think 61 in January that we announced today uh, that is called Don't Touch Don't Touch Me Don't Don't Touch Me <laughs> um, which I've wanted to call the show for five years and finally thanks to Mike Skinner from the streets being from Birmingham 
have had chance to actually call a show that. So that's it. It's not even happened yet, but I'm super excited. Um, also, getting the call a show, chat shit, get banged, and 5,000 to 1 when Leicester won the league, that yeah, is pretty mind-blowing. Thanks, Dan. Travis Zickerman. What a great name. Um, uh, oh, you're asking uh, the question about Leo Rush no selling a power bomb. Yeah, it was a power driver, but yep, uh, I mentioned that before. You say, how much does selling play a factor in booking? Well, from a booking point of view, if someone can't sell for shit, I'm less likely to book them. But most people that we use, everyone we use, sells really great. So no real issues there. Um, but yeah, if someone's a, not great at selling, you, you'd think twice about using them. You know, when you, you think about booking someone, it should be based on all their talents and how over they are. Uh, and a combination of all those things are what makes you want to book someone. So, um, But yeah, that's that. Right, we're down to the last two guys. Stuart McKeown says... Um, as someone who studied creative writing at university, me too, and can't seem to find any way into work in that area, is breaking the one rule if I were to pitch some creative angles I thought of? Um, this happens a lot, Stuart. I'm going to say we wouldn't use them because we're super secretive about all our angles. <laughs> so it's always going to be down to the three of us. Also, like I said before, it's not a lot of money in professional wrestling, certainly on the independence. There's not tons and tons of it. So um, from my point of view... We there's three very creative people who already do our angles. However, doesn't mean that other companies in this country or further further afield wouldn't necessarily um, turn you away. You know, I have a creative background. Glad has a creative background. John has a creative background, and we've all ended up doing this <clears throat> because let's be honest, no one else was going to give three absolute amateurs a chance when we started. So we had to start our own company. So you know, I'm not saying start your own company. There's too many, but there's bound to be. You know, there, there might be other people who are willing to take it on board. But from our point of view, we get a lot of people saying, can I pitch some ideas? And we'll say, no, because it, we're, we're super secretive and really sort of, we've got everything planned already. Um, but, you know, it's... And also, don't give up hope of getting a job. I know I've just kind of said we do our thing and that's fine. But don't give up hope of getting a job in the creative industry. They are out there. I didn't get a creative job until I was 27 and that's when I started stand-up. You know, I finished uni at 22. I didn't have anything until I was 27. So <coughs> it will happen. Just keep plugging away. Okay, Stuart? I'm telling you now. Just keep plugging away. Um, and if you want, you can write some stand-up material for me because I'm bored of it. Final question. Neil Adheb said, um, Me and our lass are expecting our first child. Good question to end on. Any suggestions for wrestling-inspired names? I like Finn, short for Finley, as in Bala. Our lass likes Hunter. Um, I think... You should call, if you have a son, please call it Tugboat. That's all I ask. Tugboat. That's what I want you to call your child. Tugboat. Absolutely. And if it's a girl, Kong, after either uh, Awesome Kong or Aya Kong. So, uh, Tugboat or Kong. They're your two baby names. Um, This is legally binding, because it's a podcast. Um, Thank you, everybody, for all your questions. I've rambled on for ages, but that was tons and tons of questions, considering I only gave you about 12 hours' notice to get them into me so thank you for all your questions little plugs on the way out again live Tuesday night jaw 9th of September King's Place in London um, the website for that kingsplace.co.uk slash TNJ live merch will be hopefully available for sale back end of this week beginning of next week so the sweet sweet uh, cheer faces boo heels t-shirts will be available um, buy them share the link around to everybody 
Let's get loads of people buying them, whether they listen to the podcast or not. Support everything on the Distraction Pieces Network. Uh, and my website is jimsmallman.com. If you want to point people at the web, uh, at the podcast, it's jimsmallman.com slash TNJ. Do that. Uh, and uh, also progresswrestling.com for tickets and merch. Demand-progress.com for all the progress shows. Thanks again for all your questions, guys. I will be off now, uh, mainly to America. If you come into New York or Boston at the weekend, high five. Then I will high five everybody if I get time. But just find me and high five me. Do it. You know it makes sense. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for supporting the podcast. I'll see you next week. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.